This is Women's Leadership Success.com Radio, episode number 93. Only 71% of the original Fortune 500 companies exist today. Why? Because business leaders have traditionally relied on past results to manage future growth. In today's fast-moving and wildly unpredictable business climate, looking in the rearview mirror is a sure route to extinction. Ask yourself, are you so mired in the operations and doing things the same old way that it is difficult to keep up with the changes that would benefit your company? Join us today with our special guest, who is a business contributor to ABC News and other networks and an award-winning serial entrepreneur as we explore the solutions that help you make small changes for your sustainable success. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life, no matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur. Join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio, and this is Sabrina Brahm, and today I have the great pleasure of interviewing Susan Solovic. She's an award-winning solo entrepreneur, excuse me, serial entrepreneur, a popular keynote speaker, an internet pioneer, and an attorney. A former small business contributor to ABC, she regularly appears on Fox News, uh, Fox Business News, Newsmax, and other national networks. Welcome, Susan. Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me to be on your program. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today. Um, I've, uh, as I mentioned to you offline, your your book has so much wonderful uh, in-depth information. It was a, a challenge to figure out what to ask you in 20 to 25 minutes. But let's start. What is what is the 1% solution? The name of your book is The 1% Edge, um, Small Changes That Guarantee Relevance and Build Sustainable Success. So what is that? What is 1%? Well, I, you know, I started looking at some major brands that, you know, just in the last 10 years, you think about how many, you know, popular brands that have just disappeared from the horizon. And, you know, I thought, well, it's not because they really didn't have a good product or a good service. And so what, what's happening here? And I realized that we all make this, whether you're a small business or a large company, you get mired in the operations and doing things the same old, same old way. And you don't often see, you know, the, the changes in the market and the changes in business operations that are happening. So when I talk about the 1% edge, I'm talking about those constant innovation things that you can do to continually enhance your business. And I heard someone say once, you know, you don't want to stay in the status quo. You want to be in the status quo. And if you look at it this way, water is very hot at 211 degrees but it's boiling at 212 degrees. So that one degree difference makes all the difference in the world. So all we need to do is to think about those, those, that one degree, that 1% edge that can really keep us a step ahead of the competition. That's, 
that makes so much sense. And it, it almost seems like we have to develop a different way of, of thinking or perceiving things in order to do that. That's correct. You do. Um, and, you know, I, I, sort, I talk about a process in the book that keeps businesses constantly looking and involving at every aspect of their business. So often when you think about innovation, you think about your product and your service. Well, with the 1% Edge, you're looking at every single aspect of your business organization. And, you know, you can have the coolest, sexiest product in the world out there, but if you don't have the right business operations, the right people, the right infrastructure to support it, you're not going to be successful. That makes a lot of sense. Um, In your book, you say that innovation doesn't mean disruption. Can you tell us about that? So I think, once again, when we think of innovation, you know, we think about the things like what Apple Computer comes out with, like when they first came out with the the iPod and then, you know, the, the iPhone and all of these kinds of really industry changing types of innovation. But, you know, it doesn't, those were disruptive things that changed the industry. But innovation can be those, just those small little things that we're doing every day to continually improve on the delivery and the operations of our business. So, you know, I want people to get the thought out of their head, well, if I'm going to be innovative, I've got to come up with some new cool way of doing things. No, you just have to keep making those tweaks so you're staying current and ahead of the competition. So what's the mindset or the way of thinking um or the maybe the tough questions that we need to ask ourselves to keep thinking like that as as we're running our business. Well, you said a great word there, tough questions. So I think the big thing is when you first start to look at your business and your operations, um, particularly if you're the founder and CEO of your company, you know, you, there, you take a lot of pride in what you've built, but you have to be willing to step back and say, you know, if I weren't doing business this way today, would I continue doing it this way? If so, why? And if not, why? And then park your ego at the doorstep. There can't be any sacred cows. Question absolutely everything. You know, is there still a really good demand for my product or service? Am I becoming outdated? Am I not reaching the right markets? Do I have the right people on my team? You know, that's a tough one because, you know, if you don't look at your people, if, if you've got people who are just showing up and, and putting in their hours and then leaving, you don't really have those people who are being creative and innovative. So you've got to look at that. Do I have the right business operations? Am I utilizing the right technology or am I wed to the old way of doing business? So these are the tough questions that you've got to be willing to ask. Um, who's the competition out there? What, what's legislation happening that's going to affect my industry? You just don't want to bury your head in the sand and then wake up one morning and go, oh, geez, I didn't see that coming. Um, the, it all makes so much sense. And I'm, I mean, the first thing that, that I came to mind for me, because I, I work in, um, I'm an executive coach and do consulting in corporations and everybody's so busy, and they they tend to be working on the urgent all the time and not doing stepping back and asking the kind of questions that you're talking about. Do you have an example of a company that's doing this, or do you have a, a suggestion of how people can start to move into that? How, how are they going to carve out the time to begin to do this new way of doing business? 
Well, that's a time is always a, a critical question, and and that's what people say. But that's how it's kind of a catch twenty two, because you're busy, busy, busy running and doing things the way you're doing them. But you just really have to carve out that time, put it on your schedule, get away from your normal work environment, and and have this sort of reflection. Um, that's the first step in the process. And really, you know, pay attention and listen to what's going on in the marketplace. One of the great advantages we have today, which we didn't have years ago, is the ability to listen via social media. You know, what are what are your competitors doing? What are customers and clients saying? You know, where's that void, that special niche in the market that might be missing that you can pick up on? And I'll tell you, one of the uh, companies that I've been watching closely is Crocs. Now, you may remember when Crocs came out, they were so crazy popular, you know, they, and I thought they were uglier than crap, but anyway, um, you know, you could, you only bought them in little boutique, boutique stores or kiosk. And then all of a sudden, and they went public by the way, and within two years, um, and their stock soared. And then all of a sudden it tanked. And the reason it tanked was because you could suddenly buy Crocs at your local 7-Eleven. So it, they lost their cool factor. Mm-hmm. So they really had to reinvent themselves. And they've come up with, I think, like 300 different styles of what they call their life, lifestyle shoes. They even make golf shoes now. And, I mean, they've got little ballet flats. They're adorable that I like. I actually wear those. Um, and so they're reaching new markets. But I recently got an email from them. And they are actually reaching out to the market saying, what should we do next? What should the new Crocs look like? So they're letting their customers get a sense of ownership into what they're doing. So you really feel like you have a vested interest, which I'm, I'm watching that closely to see how it works for them, because I think that's that new engagement. It used to be a one-way conversation that we had with the marketplace. Now it needs to be engaged two-way conversation. Wow. That's that's such a a great example. Um, can you tell us what what leaders need to develop in themselves? What kind of skills they need to uh, really make this one percent edge work? I think the biggest thing leaders need to do is, as I said earlier, get over their egos, get over themselves, and not to have this theory that if it's my way, it's got to be my way or the highway. They really have to be willing to listen, and I think they have to be willing to embrace a very diverse team. You don't want to have people on your team that look and think just like you because you're not going to get that creative, innovative spark. So you want people with um, different backgrounds, with different experience levels, with different ethnicity, different age groups. You know, the baby boomers think a lot differently than the millennials. So you really want that diversity in your organization and be willing to listen to what they have to say. And one of the things that, you know, millennials get a bad rap, but one of the things that I think is really cool about millennials today is the fact that they actually will ask why. They want to know what the purpose is. So, you know, a lot of times we make a decision, we throw it out there. And I know as a baby boomer myself, you know, your boss said do this or whoever you were working for, well, you did it. You know, you might walk off grumbling like, well, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard, but you certainly didn't question it. So 
the millennials are much more open to saying, well, why are we doing this? And what's the purpose? And what's the outcome we're looking for? And you know what? That is a great exercise to go through. And I think every leader should be open to have that kind of dialogue with their team members. That's, that is, again, wonderful, wonderful advice. What's the challenge for a leader and a team in terms of their customer? Well, I think the, the challenge is that the customer today uh, really has more information about you and your product and your company than you do probably mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's all at their fingertips. So once again, it used to be that we could, you know, I was, I was in marketing for years. So you could put a message out there and you'd say it enough times and you'd hope that, you know, that, that the market heard it. And, you know, that was how you got your, your business. Mm-hmm. Now it's really, as I said, a two-way conversation. So the customer really expects you to engage them. They want, if they send you a, a, a message through your website or they've tweeted something or they're on your Facebook page, they want to be able to get answers and interact. So the interesting dichotomy we have uh, in today's world is we're really high tech and that's great for efficiency, profitability, productivity, et cetera. But customers and clients want high touch too. So you have to be able to figure out how to do that and, and you have to be authentic in the way you do it. That's, that is um, so true. We're, we're remodeling a bathroom right now and the two big um, well-known hardware stores in the area we couldn't get any service from. And we called a smaller one on the phone and the guy answered all our questions and he's, he's about a half an hour the, the store is half an hour further out than the other two stores, and uh-huh. we're driving all that way, and we're, we're ordering all the materials from him because he's given us such incredible customer service and knows who we are and just is doing fantastic things for us. So, yeah, that, that high touch really does make a big difference. It really does, right. I mean, it makes you feel special. And, you know, even if you go to a restaurant and let's say, you know, it's it's, average food or whatever and um but you go in and they immediately remember you know what you like to drink and you know what your favorite foods are or you know they give you a little special appetizer or dessert now and then you know you're going to go back there because you feel like a vip as opposed to going to the new high-end restaurant that's you know scrumptious scrumptious food and they you walk in and you know you're just another customer and they could care less right Mm -hmm. so that, it's a big difference. What about the, what are the challenges in in terms of the product uh, with what you're talking about and how fast things are changing? Yeah, so I think the product, you know, we can easily get married to our product. Um, and, you know, I think that you look at your product and you look at sales and let's say your profit margins decide to, to are going down or your revenue is going down. And what I see happen in a lot of organizations is people rationalize. Oh, well, we had a really bad winter. So people were, they weren't out as much. Or, you know, well, the economy is not good right now. It'll pick up. And we just, we make excuses. But before long, we figure out that, whoa, wait a minute. There's not the market demand for this product as there once was. Mm -hmm. And so you need to constantly be reevaluating, you know, is there, maybe there's a more efficient way to, um, to deliver the product so that your profitability goes up. 
maybe um, there's a way to tweak it so it appeals to maybe a little bit younger population. If you look at what um, Cadillac has done, for example, you know, Cadillac was always your grandfather's car, right? Nice luxury car, whatever. But young people really didn't like it because it was grandfather's car. And so they're trying to reinvent themselves right now and appeal to, uh, you know, design cars. And even their logo has changed to appeal to a little bit younger demographic. So I think those are kind of the things that you have to look at. Makes makes a lot of sense. What, what in your book, you talk about the art of the pivot. What is yes. that? Well, so when you're trying to create the 1% edge, you know, if you want to make real-time strategic decisions. And so you, you set your priorities and, you know, you know the, the five-year strategic plan or any of that, that's, that's dead. That's yesterday's news. So you put your plan together and then you're constantly reevaluating it in, and in real time. And that's where you look at things and say, okay, do we stay this course of action or do we need to tweak it a little bit or do we need to abandon it now, get over it and move forward with another initiative or another um, strategy? And so that's really the art of the pivot, being agile and being able to make those quick turns. Um, it's kind of like you can be in a scarab in the ocean and turn on a dime, but if you're driving the Queen Mary, you know, it's going to take you a long time to make that turn. And so really smaller and mid-sized organizations really can benefit because they're more flexible and able to make those pivots, um, you know, in, in a timely fashion. So you, you really have to be comfortable with being willing to let go of things, whether it's an employee or a product or the way you've been thinking about things, it's this right. is really requiring a, a real agile way of, of being as a leader. Right, exactly. You know, I talk about it in my book as cutting the dead weight. Uh-huh. And I always say that, um, you know, you, you, you've got to be willing to cut the dead weight. So if it's a product that just is not cutting it anymore, there's no demand for it, it might be your most favorite thing that you have on your, your menu of items. But if it's not working, get rid of it. If you have an employee who, as I said, is just showing up and putting up and, you know, watching the clock all day long and checking their, their own personal emails and Facebook, well, you know, that's not doing your business any good. You need somebody who's really excited about your vision and who shares your values. And yet what happens in smaller organizations, a lot of times we start out with you know, certain people on our team, and it works initially, but they might not be the right people to grow your organization. But unfortunately, it kind of becomes like family. And, you know, well, I can't let Susie go, or I can't let Joe go because, well, they've been with me since the beginning. Well, maybe Susie and Joe are ready to move on and do something else too. Uh -huh. So you have to do what's right for your business. I always say, you know, business is business and friendship is friendship. So, um, in your book, you say hire for life. So that's confusing to me. Now you just yeah. tell me get rid of Joe and Susie and, and you say hire for life. So help me understand. Well, that's, that's why, you know, you want to make smart strategic hiring decisions is what I mean by that. So you want to hire people who do share your values and who have the excitement and the energy to want to go and grow with your organization. And you want to give them the opportunity to grow. So if you have someone who, if you're looking at someone who's always going to be a widget builder and has, doesn't want to do anything else and has no desire to be creative and innovative and, you know, that's all they want to do is build a widget, 
well, that's probably not going to be the right person on your team. You want to hire the whole person, someone who has ambitions of their own, who's very entrepreneurial in their own thinking, and then give them the opportunity to flourish. So they will want to stay with you and you'll want them to stay uh, as well. Wow. And and really, I was going to ask you, what's the mark of an employee that has the 1% edge, but you just described it. That's, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's the kind of employee. Yeah. So trust, you know, it's, it's something I see missing a lot in, in companies. And I'm wondering, what have you found helps to build trust in an organization? I think that it comes from a, a leader and managers being willing to open up the doors and have safe harbors, let employees know and team members know that they can say what they need to say, um, that there's not going to be any repercussions. There's no such thing as a dumb idea. Um, you know, you want people to feel like they're empowered. Um, I think that's really important. I also think it's important for leaders to be very transparent about what's going on in the organization. In my own companies, I've always had an open book in terms of financials. You know, I wanted everybody to see what was going on. Um, you know, the only thing we took out were salaries, but, you know, they needed to know, are we having a good, what's happening? And a lot of times they look at things and they're saying, wait a minute, we could cut corners here, or why aren't we pursuing this revenue stream? And, you know, I, I think there are a lot of good ideas that come from that, but it's when you close the door, when you shut yourself off, that's where the gossip starts. Mm-hmm. And you know, there, there's always concern, and the worst thing that happens to any organization is when that gossip mill starts going. And, uh, you know, I just, um, you know, I, I think that that's very destructive. It's destructive for the company. It can reach customers, and it can really impact morale within the organization. What about mistakes or failures? Um, I, I see a lot of different ways people do it that are not very effective, whether it's um, punishing somebody for making a mistake or just ignoring it. Yeah. What do you suggest? Well, I, I think that well, I used to work for a boss. Let me tell you, he used to say, Susan, I'm giving you the opportunity to fail. And at first I didn't understand it, but then I realized that he was giving me not only the responsibility, but the accountability to get things done. And he trusted me to do that. And if I failed, hey, at least I was doing something. You know, doing something is better than doing nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I know organizations that actually, you know, they'll have awards for failure of the month or whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, yay, I tried. You know, it didn't work out. But by golly, I'm going to learn from this. So uh-huh. um, there's nothing wrong with failing. You just, you learn from it. Bill Gates calls failure research. So you learn from it and you move on. And, you know, unfortunately, too many people, I mean, none of us, like they have failures. Let's face it, it's human nature. But a lot of times people get so caught up in the fear of failure that they become paralyzed and then nothing gets done and then the organization doesn't move forward. That's so, such a, I love the Bill Gates uh, failure is research. I love that. That's, that's a great way to think about it. Really? What is the process edge? Uh, the process edge actually has to do with how you're running your business operations. So, you know, a lot of times as an organization grows, you don't put the right process in place to keep things like redundancies from happening or things falling through the cracks. Or let's say you get one piece of software that doesn't 
talk to another piece of software. So you're creating extra work. Um, so the process edge is constantly reevaluating. Are we streamlining things? Are we doing things the best way to service our customers to deliver our product? Um, and those sorts of things. So that's really what the process edge is about. It's it's not, you know, a lot of people think that's technology, but it's really about your whole organizational culture and how it works and how it flows. It's beautiful. And we're just about at the end of our um, interview, and I'm wondering, how would you like to wrap this up, or what what do you want to leave um the wonderful women that are listening to this program, what do you want them to know? Well, you know, I think that right now is a great time to be an entrepreneur. If you think of what's happening with robotics and all that sort of thing, a lot of, uh, you know, the jobs that have been the nine to five jobs in the corporate world are going to be passe at some point. They're going to be obsolete. But being an entrepreneur, having creativity and innovation in your organization gives you a real opportunity to to excel and to succeed in today's world. Robots are never going to replace creative thinking. They're just not. And so that's what we have an edge for. And I want everybody to remember that. And, and just really to remember that, you know, being your own boss, it's the best of times and it's the worst of times. But, you know, it's the one opportunity that we in this country have a great opportunity to build wealth and to create our own journey. I love that. And and if you're still working in a company, maybe someday you will have your own business so you can right. you can practice these ideas right there. Right. You know, you know, there's a lot of companies that are embracing entrepreneurship. So if you look at Procter and Gamble, they were blown away by the Dollar Shave Club. So they've actually started hiring people with entrepreneurial experience because that's the kind of thinking they want within the organization. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Susan, for taking the time to talk to us today. It's, it's been a real pleasure. And I want to mention that your book is The 1% Edge, Small Changes That Guarantee Relevance and Build Sustainable Success. That's uh, with Susan Solovic. Thanks again, Susan. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. I have three great gifts for you that will help you to be a better leader and advance your career. But first, I want to share why I've been doing this show. My passion is to help hundreds of thousands of women worldwide be more successful in their careers and their lives. For over 25 years, I've been researching and teaching business leaders how to get promoted and to be better leaders with great success. Because you are listening to this podcast, you are a part of this global movement to help women increase their incomes and have more impact. Thank you for sharing these shows with your friends and colleagues and for your great comments and reviews. So here's my free gift to you. For the last 10 years, I've interviewed almost 100 top leaders to find out their leadership secrets. One of their secrets is great communication. So I have put together 14 of their top tips that will help you communicate like a leader and which will advance your career and help you get promoted. So to get this free gift, go to the sidebar on the right-hand side of womensleadershipsuccess.com and look for my 14 masterful communication tips to be a great leader. In addition, here are two more ways to advance your leadership skills. Connect with a tribe of like-minded women and me in person for free. 
Join me for our Facebook Live events on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. Go to www.facebook.com Women's Leadership Success. And in June, I will be doing three free webinars to help you develop your leadership and career skills. Watch for the sign-up sheet on womensleadershipsuccess.com. And remember, love yourself, share your gifts, be of service to others, make a difference in the work you do, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.